It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness stores focusing on natural products and organic remedies. That is Smoky Mountain Organics, four locations to serve you, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, their newest location in Knoxville, just down from uh, Westtown Mall, right across the street from Trader Joe's. Of course, you can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. I'm Brent Hubs, along with Austin Price on this mailbag edition of the podcast. Lots of recruiting to get into as things, uh, coaches are on the road and uh, get heated back up here with visitors coming in, Tennessee with some uh, official visitors on the horizon. So we got plenty of recruiting questions to get to, and we'll jump right to them. Austin, starting with Central uh, Florida Vol, who wants to know, you mentioned a few weeks back in the war room about two defensive linemen from Alabama expressing interest in coming to visit. I think they're from Carver High School down there. Is there any more talk about them coming up for a visit, or was that just passing inter- interest? And thanks for everything you do bringing info to the board. Um that's just was passing interest. I mean, there was a phone call. Um, just don't think anything ever materialized out of it. Um, you know, and, and more than anything, I, I think that you know, there, there's been a few phone calls just because the the you know the talked about you know Nico deal that's been talked about out there, and you know uh, you know, and so um, I just think that you know. Some phone calls, there's legitimacy too, um, and and I think that's a big reason why you know like you know, I mentioned Tony Mitchell a few weeks ago because I was hearing his name more and more, and then you know now he started to back it up. You know, he talked to Hayes Fawcett, you know, told him that Tennessee's you know skyrocketing. He's been a little more active on Twitter about Tennessee, um, and again I still think that's a, a, a long shot because I think it's a dog fight to be in the mix, then a bigger dog fight to potentially land a guy like Tony Mitchell, but. You know, who knows? I mean, Tennessee and in, in today's modern day of college athletics, uh, you know, has as good a shot as any with uh, any prospect. Yeah, certainly the changing world of college athletics. Um, you, you never know what's going to ha- happen there. But you've talked about this for uh, since he committed. The, the Nico effect, the, the net result of that in terms of who signs with Tennessee remains to be seen. But the, the buzz and the juice that getting a high-profile player, particularly at the quarterback position, that has brought to Tennessee beyond the wide receiver position is, is noticeable, just in terms of guys who are intrigued by Tennessee. May no, nothing may ever happen with it, or it might, but, but there's an intriguing part to that because of Nico. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a certain swag and, and way he carries about himself you know that, that that just resonates with kids as an almost 40 year old that doesn't necessarily always resonate with me i know it doesn't resonate with some on our board because they don't understand the pajama pants and the sunglasses indoors I'm and all that stuff. Honest, it doesn't resonate with me i mean that's not i mean and i've got a 17 year old but mine that's not his style so i, I get what you're saying but you know but for you know those prospects it does resonate and it i mean it, there, it, there's a direct correlation um, and, and they understand the pajama pants and they understand the, the, the sunglasses indoors and all this stuff, uh, you know, because kids, you know, are always finding, wanting to find ways to be different because cool is different, you know. And uh, so uh, I just think that kids have picked up the phone that called Tennessee because of Nico. Sometimes it's materialized, sometimes it's evaporated, 
But, you know, Tennessee is finding themselves in play so much more because of Nikau Iamaliava, um, you know, and, and they'll continue to do so because I think, you know, you see more and more, you know, players out there, you know, talking about Tennessee, at least wanting to get up here and, and give Tennessee a look. All right, let's go to Sam Smith, 22-33. Which NFL draft prospect that Tennessee played last year impressed you the most? Man, that's a good question. Um, I, I would go with, you know, quarterback at Ole Miss. I mean, how, how do you not look at, you know, what he did, you know, from the from the moment Matt Corral was spectacular. Yeah, he you know, single-handedly beat Tennessee. Yeah, um, he did. And so, you know, I would go him. Secondly, after that, you know, you know Bryce Young is really, really good. He's not in the draft this year. Right. But, uh, you know, he's going to be. And, um, you know, I, I, I love what Alabama's got on defense. Um, you know, there was nobody at Florida that just was like, eh. You know, and, and Georgia's filled with them. N'Kobe Dean um, is special, special, special. Um, you know, and then offensively, you know, I think George Pickens can play a long time in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Trayvon Walker, uh, Jordan Davis, yeah. you know, all those guys on the Georgia defensive front. The, the thing about them that was so unusual is it was hard to single out one guy because one guy didn't dominate. Whereas, like, at Alabama, he's not in the draft this year, but, like, Will Anderson can take over an entire series. Like, like he had ended in the series – um, and, and he did a couple times for, for Tennessee um, against Tennessee last year. So in terms of the guy who did the most against Tennessee, it's got to be Matt Corral because without him, they, they don't win. Um, he's also got a basketball question here with Michael Schwartz gone, who's in charge of making the schedule. Uh, any big-time games we're trying to get done for next year outside of a trip uh, to Arizona and Colorado and Nashville? You know, they're in those preseason tournaments. Um, they're in Maui. They're, they're in Maui on that deal. So that, they're, that, I've that's already taken Rob's spot on that. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't play, you can't play golf courses if you go over there. You've got to go to the gym and watch basketball, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be a big chunk of their schedule there. In terms of who's doing that, Rick Barnes is very hands-on, very involved in that because he knows everybody in college basketball. Michael Schwartz helps finalize deals in terms of the dates. Um, Bill Polinski will be a part of that because of his relationship with Rick Barnes. But as much as anything, too, is just kind of getting those games positioned the right way on the schedule. Right. You know. Yeah, and, and that's something that Polinski will work with Barnes about the much same way Michael Schwartz worked with uh, Rick Barnes about that as well. But what we do know about Rick Barnes, he's going to play a bunch of good people. Uh, as many times as he can, as many places as he can, neutral site games, road games, whatever, to help his basketball team because they will not play a light schedule to build him up a bunch of wins. Regardless of what his roster looks like year in and year out, he's always going to play a very difficult schedule. Uh, Anthron's got a handful of questions here. Anything new on Andre Turrentine and a possible decision date? Next commitment not named Brew McCoy will be offense or defense. Is Wesley Walker the leader in the clubhouse for the nickel spot, or is that going to be Brandon Turnage? Who do you think will be the summer rollie who will be most ready to contribute this fall? Where do you want to go first? Oh, we'll start with Andre Turrentine. Um, I think that he does something probably before Brew McCoy. Okay. So that answers question two. Um, you know, uh, I would say sooner rather than later. Um, and then, 
you know, as far as who who coming in the summer. And I don't know. I think it depends on like you know what James Pierce looks like. I mean, James Pierce, you know, good looking kid. I think he's a freak. Still got to put on some weight. Josh Josephs, the same thing. Um, you know, but what have they been doing since you know last December? You know, have they been getting working on the side? Have they put on some weight already? You know, what do they look like? And then how quickly can the weight staff you know transition them? Because I think those are the guys that you know could make the most impact just because Tennessee needs help off the edge. Yeah, and I think I would I would throw in a guy like maybe Jordan Thomas just because they've got need in the secondary yeah. corner. Now, maybe Jordan Thomas is going to be a safety, you know, or, or a nickel guy himself when it's all said and done. I think the nickel thing is maybe the most fascinating part of all of this because, you know, I don't know if Tennessee's got a locked-in guy or two there. I think it could be a, it could go a number of different ways. Well, and, and the X factor in that deal to me is, is Flowers. It's Trayvon Flowers because, yeah. I mean, none of us – I mean, I didn't have him pegged to be a nickel guy. He worked there all spring. Maybe he's not. Um, but, but when you look at your best five and trying to figure out who those are, is Flowers, I think, is definitely going to be in their best five. Is that as a nickelback or is that as a, a safety where he's played his entire career? So that's an unknown factor into that, that thing as well. Um, Loud Noises wants to know, are they still, is Tennessee still swinging with Jordan Phillips in basketball? Or not Jordan Phillips, but the Julian Phillips, Julian Phillips in basketball. Or is that ship sailed? And if Pierce finishes strong, would he arrive summer term or the fall? Summer term for Pierce. Yep, and uh, I think he is. I think he's. I think he's had a phenomenal spring semester, from what I'm told. I'm talking like near all A's, maybe even all A's. Um, you know, uh, and then um, Julian Phillips. Julian Phillips, absolutely. Tennessee's still very much involved there. Um, again, that's that. Much like all basketball kids. That's going to come down to NIL opportunities, you know, with any kid in that basketball world. Yeah, it certainly seems, I mean, and again, I think transfer portal and high school kids, the NIL is a big deal. And it's in their price, their. What they feel like their value is and what their actual value is, you know, it's, it's really two different things or what a school's value, what a school thinks the kid's value is. But the problem is, is like your value, as someone put it on the board, your value is what someone's willing to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if 99 schools say, hey, you're not worth $5, but all of a sudden one school says, we'll give, we'll, we'll give you 20, then your value's 20. Right. You know, I mean, so, like, you know, determining that value is, you know, is, is going to be difficult. And, you know, there is no kind of precedent on these things. And, you know, kids, transfers, kids out of high school, they are all shooting their shot, and it is a bit of game of uh, cat and mouse. We get a little bit of game of you know uh, chicken, call chicken, your bluff, whatever yeah, you want to call, yeah. call it. Yeah, I mean yeah. you know schools, you know schools are having to you know kind of take a chance when you say no. You, you mean to me, you have to be very willing to be like, okay, we're comfortable not getting player X, you know, and and I think you know some schools have done that, and some schools have not. Yeah. It's, it's like walking in to ask for a raise. You better have a job as a backup plan because somebody might let you walk. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's just the way it goes. But that it depends thing, on how you go in with it, too. Like, yeah. if you go in with, like, I'm out the door unless you give me this, then... You, you better have a backup yeah. plan. Um, yeah, if you walk in you walk in to resign, you, know, you better have a job because they might take your resignation. Yeah. They might call your bluff on that deal. Another thing, too, in basketball, one player can make such a difference. 
you know, in that sport. Oh, 100%. Which, which is why I think that, that some of those pe- some people in the basketball world have the value so high for a player because there's a greater impact to, to certain transfers. Es- Not all, but certain. Especially for schools that maybe just are lacking that missing piece. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, look at, look at that Syracuse team with Carmelo Anthony. It was a good team without Carmelo Anthony, but he made him a great team. Right. Yeah, one guy could be, and, and everybody thinks that they're the missing piece, yeah. whether they're the high school kid or whether they're in the transfer portal. All Vol Recruiting wants to know, chances on Rico Walker, Grant Godfrey, and Grayson Howard. Uh, what interior offensive line are Tennessee going after? Are they pushing for Cole Super or Connor Liu? Um, I think they got a really good shot at Rico Walker. You know, Grayson Howard is someone that I thought Tennessee had a ton of traction with a few months ago. And just don't hear much about him no, anymore. He, he, um, he just don't. You don't hear his name much at all. You know, as for the linemen, you know, I mean, the, you know, Tennessee's, you know, they're, they're recruiting them. You know, but I wouldn't call them at the top of the list. Tackles. I mean, tackles got to be the priority first, though. I mean, because it should be in every class because it just feels like Tennessee's got a lot of guard bodies. Yeah. You know, and even though they, you know they lost to James Robinson, but I mean, like, I mean, you look at Tennessee's roster, and there's, well, I mean, how many, how many guards? How many guys do you feel like can play guard? Like ten or eleven? No, they have they, yeah, they have a lot more guard bodies than they do tackle bodies. So the the priority for them's got to be at the tackle spot because again, tackles can slide inside and play guard. Yeah, guards have a harder time sliding outside and playing tackle. Not say it can't be done, but it's 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 harder to do that. Um, Megavol ninety eight. What's the most memorable trick play in Tennessee football history? Could anything be could be anything from a flea flicker to a double pass to a fake punt? What trick play? Uh, from what game sticks out to you the most? Vaughn Reeves against Florida. Oh, yeah, the end around, that tight end in around pass. It, yeah, I mean, it's either that or it's the fumble Ruski against Mississippi State. Yeah, the Vaughn Reeves play was unbelievable because of how well that he, ball was well, thrown. Yeah, threw it, and, and Pickens just caught it in stride. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, talking about dropping a dime for a tight end, that was an unbelievable play. I'm going to tell you a personal play for me, trick play, that will always stand out is – David Cutcliffe was the head coach at Ole Miss. Tennessee's playing at Ole Miss. Um, this would have been four, four, I guess. Yep. Eric Ames. They line up and they run a fake punt. It's no big deal. It's just a fake punt, right? But I'm spotting for the Vol Network, and at that time I didn't have an open microphone, so I was just behind the scenes spotter guy, and I'm looking through my binoculars and I see that Tennessee has a gunner out there and he's completely uncovered and Ole Miss has no idea he's out there. They have no clue. And so I'm pointing on my spot board to the uncovered guy. And sure enough, Colquitt throws throws it to him on the fake punt. So that play knew exactly who the receiver was, knew exactly what was happening there because I recognized uncovered. The problem is the next year, yeah, yeah, I was Rick say Polkwin this, tried to Florida. do the same thing at yeah. Florida, and it completely backfired. Yeah, trust but me, I remember. You could see, you could see the old Miss coaches booth to our right at that st- at the stadium when that play unfolded, and they they had no they had no clue that they had a guy uncovered out there, no clue. I mean, it, it was just a look of exasperation about two and a half seconds after the snap because they're like, we got nobody there. No, nobody at all covering the gunner out there. So I, I did recognize that one early. So that was a, a that was one that stands out to me personally. There, um, let's go to Boyd Wonder ninety six. With it being post spring and assuming they land Brew McCoy, what does the depth chart at wide receiver look like from top to bottom going into the fall? 
do you feel like this group is better than last year's wide receiver room? Well, not in production because, I mean, I guess, well, I, I say that a year ago everybody was still unproven. There was Cedric Tillman, one Cedric Tillman. Bayless Jones wasn't right. Bayless Jones. You know, so again, who steps up? I mean, at some point, Kareem rises to the top. Everybody gets their opportunity. They take advantage of it. You know, is that Jalen Hyatt? Is it Jimmy Holiday? Um, is it is it Brew McCoy? Is it you know um, Ramel Keaton? Ramel Keaton, who got all kinds of love in the spring, but I'm with you. I just you, you know see until it. I see consistency. I'm not saying he can't make a couple of catches, okay? But I'm saying like consistently, week in week out. Um, be a, a guy that Tennessee can really count on. Can Squirrel White you play know, at the weight he's at? Could he add more weight quickly? Where's Chaz Nimrod at? Where's Caleb, Caleb Webb, Webb at? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Like, there's a lot of bodies there. Could be quality bodies, you know. And again, you look at Jimmy Callaway. Did not play wide receiver really in high school. Very little, you know. Jimmy Holiday was a quarterback in high school. Jalen Hyatt needed to put on the weight. They've done that, and the other two guys I think have grown. It just takes time. I mean, everybody wants this like quick fix. Everybody, you know, that's why I say like, yes, like potentially James Pierce and Josh Josephs could help this program a lot when they get here. But don't panic if they don't play right away. I mean, they're going to be true freshmen. It, 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 you're, you're asking a lot of true freshmen to be good, you know. Um, and so like, for me, like I, sometimes the light just comes on later. The, who, who does it come on for this year, you know, in the secondary, a wide receiver, you know, so on and so forth? Yeah, I mean, it feels like it feels like Jalen Hyatt because of the everything people said about him. Our, our interactions with him in, during the spring, very different guy. Can he continue that way for the next two or three months to get ready for the season? If he does, then I, I think he's probably your number two wide receiver. And then the question becomes, you know, who's that other outside guy? Um, and, and if Brew McCoy's here, you're hoping that it's Brew McCoy. He's certainly talented enough to do it. Uh, he knows what it takes to play at the college level. And, and we'll see. But it's, it's Cedric Tillman and a bunch of guys kind of behind him right now. And we'll see who separates themselves. I don't think there is a pecking order top to bottom for, for the, the wide receiver group at this point in time. Austin, is Tennessee recruiting the DB out of Lake Wells, Florida, Jeremiah Anglin? Yes, they are. Willie Martinez uh, has been by there to see him this week. Okay. So um, we'll see if Tennessee can get him on campus. A lot of people think he's going to go to Florida State. Makes sense, you You know, know, down there. I think think some kids from that high school have gone um, to Florida State before, so it would make some sense. But we'll see if Tennessee can get him on campus. Uh, Volfence wants to know, for us new Volquesters, can you share, share the story of how the 50-cent gift became the signal for impending commitments? Um, I just love the gift because I, I, don't know who, I don't know who made it. You know, that's a story in its own right. Who made that gift? Uh, I just know that I thought it, was, it looked awesome. And, uh, you know, so I was like, this is a good way to, you know, it's my version of the crystal ball without giving the kids commitment away. Um, you know, even though I'm kind of still doing it, it's still not the same. Like, no kid can look at that and go, you predicted me to go to Tennessee. It's a gift, you know. Um, so I just kind of do it. It's my own way of doing it. So, you know, again, everybody's heard me complain about it. It's not a 
Prediction, it's a spoiler when a kid tells you where he's going and then you go and predict the kid to go to that place. So, um, you know, that's my way of kind of, again, roadmap, roadmap for everybody. You know, it's about, you know, telling you like in advance, it's like Tony Mitchell. Tony Mitchell may, you know, may come visit here, may never, you know, visit more than once. He may not visit. He may sign with Tennessee. Who knows? But like, you know, you, you knew if you're a member of our site, near three weeks ago that Nico had been working Tony Mitchell and Mitchell was in, engaged in potentially coming up here, you know, for a visit. And now you're starting to see more and more of that um, with him being a little more active. Again, who knows where it leads. My point though is, is like that to me is as big as anything is, you know, drawing the kind of the, the, the roadmap, treasure map, whatever you want to call it um, for everybody. All right. Give us your best story you have past or present covering a coach can either be an assistant coach or a head coach. God. I there's a lot that's, of them. This is a summertime question. It is. I, we need to come up. That needs to be a good topic where, like, we can kind of formulate. Because, you know, like, some of these stories probably don't need to see the light of day. <laughs> and then some of them probably do. So, um, you know, that, that that honestly, that's a good topic for a summertime podcast where I can uh, – formulate my uh, my answers and not indict anybody but yet kind of you know peel back the curtain and let them see the wizard behind the uh the curtain so to speak yeah um that that would be a good topic that that would certainly be a good topic i'll give you one i'll give you one snippet that doesn't indict anybody so tennessee's hiring Derek dooley and you're trying to get confirmation every way possible and you're trying to you know, let everybody know how everything's going. Everybody's checking flight aware, you know, and looking for all these things. And so I had a photographer who was working for the Louisiana Tech site who couldn't get anything out of Derek Dooley. I had him at the airport confirming that the plane was there and he stayed there until the Tennessee party with Derek Dooley got on the plane to fly to Knoxville for the press conference that day. And I told him to shout down from the balcony where he was at to one of the Tennessee um, associate ADs who was on that trip. And um, he hollered at him like he was just bumped into an old friend at a, at a restaurant. The AD had no, the associate AD had no idea who he was. Startled him to death and um, found me at the Dooley press conference and said, you did that, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I did. I just wanted to let you know that we were watching, and um, he got a big kick out of it. But uh, that was that was just kind of a fun day there. Um, after that crazy search had quickly come to a close following Lane Kiffin's departure. That's not a very good story. We will do a podcast on that topic. We've just got to figure out the day to do it and the time to do it based on what everything else is going on. But that's a, that's a, that is a good topic and a good discussion point. Uh, for story time for, for an entire podcast. So we will get that one together. So I appreciate the question, uh, Gator Hater Eric, and we'll, we'll do a better job getting you some stuff on I'll that. I'll tell you yeah. one on this, in this current, current day, it was last year when the, the Danny White had been hired and he was trying to find a coach. I was like, he's all right. I'm pretty sure they're on this plane in Atlanta. I was like, all right, I'll go to the airport. So I go out there, I said, I said, I said, flight in Atlanta never takes off. I drive back to I drive back to Knoxville. I'm going to go get Fuji, Japanese place there in Farragut. And Hubs calls, "Hey, that plane just took off. 
are you still there? I said, no, I'm back in Knoxville. I said, I'll go back. So I, you know, I can beat the car. I can beat the plane back. So I, I, you know, I get over there and it's, I mean, like this is, this, this is past dusk. Okay. Like it's barely light. Okay. I see that the plane comes up and so I pull around and about that time, here comes Danny White and, and Cam Walker and, and one more and that, they go walk in front of me, and it's like if you'd if it for me it was like the the picture of Bigfoot like walking in the in the in, in the, the epic picture of Bigfoot walking in the in the woods, because it was so dark, and uh, I followed them back to the Crown Plaza, um, just to make sure that no one was with them. That was the day they interviewed Tony Elliott in Atlanta, um, you know. And on the way back, I was talking to Kevin Steele, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Following Danny White." <laughs> And for those people on campus, there you go. There you go. All right. East Schaefer, 92. Seems like Tennessee is hard after safeties right now, but who are some of the corners to watch in the 23 cycle? That I'll tell you another story real quick. Hold on. One more story. All right. You got time. One more more story. story. Yeah, go ahead. So, and I may have told this one before, but I don't know. Sure. So, when, when, uh, um, who was, who was Butch's, uh, OC, Mike, uh, Mike DeBoard. DeBoard, Mike DeBoard. Um, when he had, when he was leaving Butch and he was going to go to Indiana, I uh, we got I got word from inside the building, and so you know I'm like, hey, call call Butch, tell him that we know this is going on, and Hubs goes, what do I do if I if I if he asked me where I heard it? I said, tell him tell him we heard it from the Indiana site. I don't even know if there is a rivals Indiana site, okay? But we just pinned it off on them and. Uh, you know, but I remember, but Mike, you'll never believe it. The Indiana side sold, and they, they, they knew about it already. <laughs> Not really. We just got it from inside the building. <laughs> All right. Go to E. Schaefer 92. Corners in the, in the 23 class. Corners. Well, we'll start with Christian Conyers. Um, him, Brandon Strozier, uh, Jeremiah Anglin, um, as, as we talked about just a few minutes ago. Um, and, and then you got Jakeem Jackson, Jordan Matthews, a couple other corners. Obviously, Tony Mitchell as well. Um, but, you know, those are kind of the, the top guys at corner. Obviously, Tennessee's already got a safety um, committed in, in Sylvester Smith and Jack Luttrell. So that's two safeties. Potentially would add a guy like John Slaughter uh, from North Mississippi um, as, as, as another safety. But, uh, you know, those are kind of the names at corner. And 23. All right. Uh, Vol Farm D wants to know uh, Vol's over under one and a half of the following Bradley, Burley, Tate, and then is, is it, is it my, how do you pronounce the Polynesian offensive? Maui back? Goa. I'll Maui, go over with Maui the, Goa? Uh, that's what I'm going with. It's Maui and, and GOA. Yeah. Okay, so I just, you know. We're going to go Maui Goa until he tells until us. Until he tells us otherwise. Right, but I need it. to figure that out because I learned El Maliava before everybody else did. And people were still butchering it. I need to learn. <laughs> I, I, I may need to call Nico's dad and say, hey, pronounce that, that tackle. Um, so you're going to take you're going to take an over between with those four out of those four. I'm taking the over of one and a half. I think they're going to get two. There you go, Austin Price, Austin maybe Price all four with, his, with, <laughs> with, with a <laughs> no no with with his audio version of the fifty cent gift just dropped on you right there on the podcast out the door on the. I mean, spot. as if we as if we tape this on you know April twenty seventh slash eighth. I mean, that's just I mean. Again, it's about shoot. It's like I was putting that three, two, one. Like you know, anybody can sit around and do something at the last minute. But it's like as of right now, I just feel like you know, Big Burley. 
his mom and dad, they all really like Tennessee a lot, and they really like Rodney Garner, and, you know, I know well, Coach Garner's feelings about them, and it just it just it just feels like one Tennessee's got a good shot at. Yeah, I mean, from a momentum standpoint, it feels like they've got some momentum with Burley for sure. Feels like they've got some momentum with Carnell Tate for and, sure. And I think they got the most momentum with Maui Goa. Yeah, I don't disagree with that either. All right, uh, volunteered eighty-seven. The Billy Napier Gator marriage doesn't appear to be off to a hot start, does it? Obviously, he hasn't been given the opportunity to win any games yet. But it kind of feels like a, a Dan Mullen feel to me. I'm not sure if you ever talk to your counterparts at the Florida site in the offseason, but there are any vibes on the cultural viability of Napier's personality at a big SEC school. And I've heard the strength of Napier was his recruiting ability and his willingness to outwork other recruiters. Is this just a normal first-year hurdles, or do you think it's likely that he won't be able to compete with the crystal balls and the smarts of the world? I think it's, it's, it's normal. Um, First year. Slow. I don't even say hurdles. I just think there's some lack of traction. Now, if he's still getting his teeth kicked in eight months from now in recruiting, I think that's a real problem. Because, I mean, you look back, you know, last March, I would consider the Tennessee staff getting their teeth kicked in. April, teeth kicked in. Mm -hmm. May, a little more traction. June, a little more traction. Hell, by November and December, man, they had a lot of momentum. I, he can't be getting your teeth kicked in in November and December or that's a real problem. Because I don't know if they're going to be very good on the field. To me, they've got to find a way to overachieve. Can they win a couple of games they're not supposed to win um, just to kind of pacify the fan base in year one? Look at Tennessee. Tennessee, you know, I know they. You know, it's easy to say that you know they overachieved in year one last year um, you know, compared to kind of the expectations. They were just a fun team to watch more than anything. And, uh, you know, can, can Florida find a way to be fun to watch, to win a game or two? They don't. If not, I mean, yeah, it's going to be hard to kind of dig yourself out because I think you're digging a bigger hole because you do have that notion that hey, he's he can recruit. All of a sudden, he don't even he don't even get Daryl Jackson, the Maryland transfer from Tallahassee, for an official visit. Like Miami just shuts that down before he ever gets the campus this weekend. That's rough. Well, and you got other factors involved too that Dan Mullen and other first year guys. A year ago, five years ago, didn't have to deal with. It. What's your NIL plan? What is your what's the collective? You know, at your school, how big of a factor are those things? How quick do you get that that plan in place? Um, you know, because that, that's that's obviously has an impact in recruiting from a culture compatibility standpoint or viability standpoint. I don't know what the culture was in the in the Florida locker room. Obviously, they didn't have a very good year last year. Tennessee a year ago. With their current team, Josh Heupel certainly was transparent. He engaged and, and got to know those guys. But but you got to give credit to the Theo Jacksons of the world, the Cedric Tillman, Matthew Butler, the guys who stayed Austin after all those other guys left. They took ownership and pride in, a pro, in the program, and they were as big a part of changing the culture as Josh Heupel coming in and, and being you know transparent and. Um, I guess being more of a player friendlies coach, if you will, you got to give you got to give the leadership of that group a lot of credit. Well, again, I think once everybody had departed, the people that looked around the room and said, "Okay, anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, yeah. Now yeah. let's go to work. Right. Like the That's people that point. the people that are still here want to be here. So let's 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 gel together. Let's make the most of it, and let's go and and be the best we can be. So you know, I, I feel like you know, I'm not saying that there are no bad seeds in the program. I think every program has their own version of whatever. Um, 
but I'd say 97 or 98 percent of the guys that were here a year ago were all bought in. Now there's that two, three percent, and, and and you know you've heard, heard a couple of the coaches talk about them that you know hey they've bought in now where they weren't bought in a year ago, you know, and so um, you know I, I think the, the more you can continue to you know kind of show who you are as a person, as a coach, um, you know it allows the guys that have struggled to buy in, to buy in a little bit more. Yeah, remember this about Billy Napier. When he first took that job, everybody talked about how bad of a recruiter he was out of the gate. Remember, they had no commit. They did finish pretty strong in the recruit, in, in that line, in the, at the finish line. They, they did do some things late and got some guys. So we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Billy Napier, and we'll see what happens in his adjustment. You know, they're not expected to be a great team on the field. You're, you're right. Can they overachieve? Tennessee's hoping not, particularly in Knoxville, as the Volunteers have an opportunity there. Can they finally get it done in a year where they're supposed to get it done against a, a team that they're better? And they've been better than the Gators plenty of times before and not been able to get it done over the past 15 or 20 years. That's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. He is Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.